Big Fluff. Casey, they're my friends. Oh, oh, they're, they're, they're your friends. Yeah, they're my friends. Tell them. Yeah, Donatello over there in the purple, he's a technical genius who is technically a genius. <laughs> Raphael over there in the red, he's like a big, cuddly teddy bear. If big, cuddly teddy bears were incredibly violent, this is Leonardo. He's in the blue, fearless leader, silent, but deadly. <laughs> And I'm Michelangelo sporting my signature orange. I'm a triple threat, brains, brawn, and obviously a dazzling personality. Ladies like to call me Mikey. Are you done? Yeah. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are wrapping up April, which means we're wrapping up Ninja Turtle Month, which means we are doing the most recent cinematic Ninja Turtle release, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Yep. That's what we're doing. Yep. We've, uh, we've watched a lot of Ninja Turtles. Probably some might say too many Ninja Turtles movies in close succession for men in their 40s with no children, but... <laughs> I would agree with those people. Uh, we definitely watch too many Ninja Turtle movies. Yeah, I don't think my brain knows how to process all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies that we've watched. It, it's it's a lot of them. Um, and, you know, we've watched fully live action with puppetry. We've watched computer generated imagery. Uh, and now we've watched a mix of both. Yeah. So I, all the types of turtles. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get hand drawn, but there is no hand drawn feature length movie there's just that's true well i mean there's cartoons actually technically i guess there's that uh batman versus ninja turtles movie but that that's true i wanted to do that one and i pitched it to you but you told me it wasn't maligned apparently it's uh it won all of the the top awards at sundance yes it was uh that and coda were the darlings of sundance last year yeah so uh so we can't do that one because it was too good but yeah, so we, we, we covered everything else, and we, we snuck in along the way uh, the Coming Out of Their Shells tour, um, you know. Which is way more power ballads than you would expect from a, from the type of music that showed up in the Ninja Turtles movies. They go hard. They they do go hard. But yeah, so this is the Michael Bay produced most, because at some point, and I don't know what the meeting was, Somehow the powers that be in Hollywood decided that all of your 80s nostalgia cartoons, Michael Bay makes those now. Yep. So. I mean, sure, why not? The Transformers movies, who we could do a whole month on. We will. Made, yeah, we will. Made a boatload of money. Yeah. Just astronomical amounts of money. Is that, is the Orson Welles one maligned enough to do? I hope so, because yeah. I, I would love to talk about that. It should be if it's not. I also that I know we're just pitching future months, but I would love to do that. I would also love to do that G.I. Joe movie that is so seared into my brain. The 1980s <laughs> G.I. Joe movie that I mostly consumed. They, If you remember this, they turned it into a series. I think it was like a five part. They, they broke, broke it up into five half hour episodes yeah. that were hosted by the real Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. Yeah, which is the preferred way to watch 
the I like to watch movie. everything with Sergeant Slaughter interstitials, if at all possible. Man, if we could get him to do that for this show, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I bet we could. Pro- probably now, yeah. You know, who knows what? I mean, we know he's listening. Yeah. So, so if you're listening, Sarge, hit us up. Ten hut. <laughs> Ten hut. Um. Let's. Uh, anyways. So, uh, this uh dyad of movies, the two Michael Bay produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, uh, were maligned out of the gate because they were full of rumors. Well, partially because of the ill will from the Transformer series. Yes. Um, and there was rumors that they weren't going to be mutants and they were going to be like aliens that kind of look like turtles. And um, none of that ended up actually happening either. They that was the plan and they kiboshed it after, you know, a poor response to it or. They're still mutant ninja turtles. Well, and what's funny is that the this the clip, it's, it's not in the actual clip that we played at the top, but in that scene when Casey Jones first meets them. They're actually kind of almost like trolling that internet response in that Casey Jones assumes they are aliens and then Michelangelo makes fun of him by pretending to be an alien at first before doing the intro that has sound effects and like an audience laughter for some reason. I just thought it was my own laughter for how hilarious and witty all that dialogue was. I mean... He's exactly like a teddy bear, except not. Ka-ching. That's gold. Good. That's good. Good joke. <laughs> can I can I take umbrage with a different description of a turtle in this movie, real quick? Oh, I know exactly. Thinking? And yes, you can. Yeah. So there's the opening part where they're yeah. they're they're giving titles for all of them, and the one for Raphael is the muscle. That's not the one that I thought oh. you were going to malign. Which one are you going to malign? Um, well, just like because it doesn't fit the pattern. So it's Donatello is the brains. Makes sense. Leonardo is the leader. Mm-hmm. Raphael is the muscle. Yeah. And Michelangelo is the pizza lover. Oh, yeah. No, I had no issues with that because he is a pizza lover. So no, I that th- is accurate. But it, like it doesn't fit the the mold of everything else i think in the previous one they established that that Raphael was actually the toughest of the turtles he is the biggest too yeah i guess but that's not Raphael. that doesn't feel like an accurate no it's not, it's not Raphael relative to uh pre-existing canon and yeah. you know if you're not going to stick to pre-existing canon when you're making a movie michael bay buddy <laughs> even i mean that's i i shame, i expect more from you michael bay yeah we hold you to a high standard on this yes. podcast because we are fans i well at least i'll speak for myself but I am a fan of Michael Bay in general, I will say. I don't think he's batting a thousand, but I'm a fan of his approach to movie making, which is excessive and ridiculous. Yeah. I, he's made enough good movies that you can't hate him. Well, he just but he's also made some absolute dreck. I mean, that's what I like. He it doesn't always work, but. I love that his approach is a lot. It's but ju- no, he's clearly passionate. He's never phones it in. He always swings for the fences. Um, and, you know, the best home run hitters also tend to have the most strikeouts. Right. So I appreciate that about him. And we, and we should be clear. He didn't direct this. He produced this. No, he so, just produced it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So all of that being said about Michael Bay. Yeah, I just I don't know. The Raphael thing does bother me. We should probably since we're talking about things that are canon and art canon. 
it might be a good time to point out the fact that the I had this sense, and maybe you did too, of like a lot of familiar ah, familiarity. I can't say that word for some reason. You know what I'm saying? It was familiar. Uh, I, familiarity. I think. Thank you. That watching a month of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies has melted my brain, and I have forgotten how to speak. But yeah, uh, that word you said uh, washed over me as I was watching this because. I think that we should talk about how similar it is to the other two that we watched with a, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, you know, colon something, 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 you know, the other one being Secret of the Ooze. There is a fair amount of overlap between yeah, that movie and uh, this one. They have to fight against two mutated bad guys. Yes. In uh, Ooze, it was Toka and Razar because they couldn't get the rights to Bebop and Rocksteady. In this one, they they bring out Bebop and Rocksteady. I don't think that it was that they couldn't get the rights. I think that they didn't want that. I think I from what I read, it was a compromise that they wanted it to be more like the cartoons. But the the guys who you know created Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles didn't want it to be like the cartoons. So it was some sort of compromise. That yeah, there's some, yeah. It is. I think that that is more accurate. But either way, you got. Toka and Razar, babies. Yeah, which wouldn't have felt out of place in this movie at all had that been the response. But yeah, you get that scene again where uh, Baxter Stockman is once again creating two animal hybrids using ooze. That although it wasn't Baxter Stockman in the original in ooze, it was just some weird scientist guy. But did it? Was he? I just assumed that he was Baxter. I yeah, guess. he wasn't Baxter Stockman. So again, so th- it's the same scene. <laughs> functionally but we're calling all three characters different names right in the the first one and out of the shadows they are using characters from the the cartoon show for sure i can't i can't say for certain that they showed up in the original comic books as that but i'm not sure but we also i think we we got to talk about krang yeah we get some krang some brad garrett voiced krang yes doing a silly voice yeah um one of my favorite pieces of trivia is apparently uh, the original voice actor that played Krang in the cartoon is best friends with Brad Garrett Oh, in real life and uh, gave him his blessing to do the voice in the movie. It's always a tough conversation when you have to ask your best friend permission to do Krang. I, I know you've asked me several times if you can do Krang. And you and have like, steadfastly refused every single time. And I was time. like, is that some hip LA slang that I'm not familiar yeah, with? You're like, I don't know what that is and no. And so like, I'm never... not going to let you. I'm, I care about you. I'm not, not going to let you fall down a den of iniquity doing, doing some Krang. What did I tell you? When you left the East Coast to fly out West, I said, don't you start doing Krang. Yeah, I was like, you stay away from that Krang. <laughs> and then you said to me, what's Krang? It's like, you'll find out. And you asked me. Almost weekly, if you can do some crying, and I always say no. Yeah, I just really like Brad Garrett in that voice, but, you know, I can't. Nope, no crying for you. (laughs) And you're the better for it, quite frankly. Yeah, I think we all are, frankly. So, so thank you. Thank you for keeping me honest. Yeah, keeping you crying free. So, so yeah, Brad Garrett, though, he's doing crying. And, yeah, so there's, there's a fair amount of overlap between that movie. There is... I'll say this movie starts pretty strong in that, you know, it's called Out of the Shadows. And we we really begin with a clear vision. We'll get into what happens to that vision. But I thought the opening is pretty solid that 
we're reintroduced to the turtles again questionable uh monikers that they are given but we meet them i i like the stuff with them you know they're watching nick's games and they're you know they're living their lives and they're they're also watching that son of a bitch will arnett getting all of burn the falcon fenwick getting all of their credit for saving the city in the last movie and so you, you understand it's out of the shadows they they're being heroes, but they have to be secretive. So they nobody knows what they did for the city. And they're really wrestling with that to varying degrees. The turtles. Right. It's a good start. It's a great idea. No, it's a, it's a yeah. solid intro to a sequel. You know, I'm, I'm definitely here for it. And yeah. And then, you know, Shredder is being transported from one prison to another. And that's what that's sort of the inciting incident for the plot of this movie. With the the two people that will become well, I guess they are named Bebop and Rocksteady before they That's, that it, those are their names. Yes, yes. yeah, uh, Gary Anthony Williams of uh, whose line is it anyway? And the Boondocks fame, and also uh, Malcolm in the Rock- Middle, and Malcolm in the Middle, yeah, yeah, uh, plays Rocksteady, mm-hmm. and then uh, Seamus, uh, WWE wrestler, uh, plays Rocksteady. Which I think we can all agree is exactly who we all pictured when we watched the 80s cartoons. Were those two Oh, actors. I knew he was a Scottish, or I, I, sorry, Northern Irish professional wrestler. I think it was clear in the performance for sure. Yeah, yeah, despite the character on the TV show not having a Scottish accent whatsoever. But I thought he was embarrassed of his heritage, so he had fought really hard to have a more standard American accent. But if you can think of one professional wrestler that would turn into a rhino, I can't think of anybody else besides Sheamus. No, I mean, who would it be? I can't think of any other wrestler that might be like rhino-esque or a rhino. When you keep saying rhino, literally the only other thing that comes into mind is Paul Giamatti. So I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's, and he's was, to the best of my knowledge, not a pro wrestler. Yeah, so he, he could have been, though. Could have been. I think he would have been Giamatti good. can do whatever he wants. He would have been good. Or I could see him as like a Paul Heyman style manager. I'll tell you what, if they ever did like WWE the movie, yeah. he would not be the worst casting as Paul Heyman. He'd be a good Paul Heyman. And I've always maintained this. I, I believe I've said this on the show, but in case I haven't, you get Shooter McGavin to play Vince McMahon. You 100%. Christopher McDonald would be a very good. Yeah, there is no one better. Because McDonald, if you watch Hacks, he's the perfect age right now to play Vince McMahon in a biopic. I think 10 years ago, uh, Michael Douglas would have been a hell of a Vince McMahon. Yeah, but I think, no, you, you go. I think now it's Christopher McDonald. I think you're McDonald, right. Yeah, he would be great. So, so we've already cast two of the roles in this. Yeah. We just we, need an we, Eric Bischoff and we can do a Monday Night Wars movie. Rob Lowe. Bam. Done. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. So, man, that was we backed into a movie pitch, but... <laughs> yeah, we backed into a Monday Night Wars the movie. Uh, I feel like that's more of a Netflix limited series. That would be a good Netflix limited series. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, maybe... Can we, can we go to HBO Max? I want a season two, maybe. You know, I want a possibility okay. of season two. Well, no, Netflix, you get three. Some days, some and these, you know, that's that's past. Unless you're Stranger Things, yeah, I, that's I think true. You, I think you get a season now if you're lucky. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. So yeah, let's go, let's go max, or even you know, go off the grid with like Paramount Plus and just you know get eight seasons and no one cares. Paramount, well, oh, I, we're missing the obvious, Andy. Peacock, Peacock has the deal. They have the network. Oh my goodness, we should, so Peacock, if you're listening, and we know that you are. Yeah, give uh, us- We've got, yeah. we've already got the Dreamcast for Monday Night Wars, the movie. 
yeah and it, it's gonna be it's gonna be great like yeah so holler at your boys that uh man what's that one actor's name did you did you watch lodge 49 by any chance no there's a actor that was in lodge 49 that was perfect casting for stone cold steve austin so we got to get him great uh, it wasn't wyatt russell i know i know everyone's thinking that it's wyatt russell but that's not who i was talking about uh it is eric allen kramer i'm gonna this is a visual medium but look at that man and tell yeah, me that's stone not cold. stone cold steve austin right there it is stone cold steve austin that was all i um, thought when i watched lodge 49 is i was like that guy looks like stone cold steve austin so yeah and then we can just get one of the guys from young rock to play the rock yeah, the Rock's already doing the work for us of casting all the young Rocks that we would ever need. Yeah, so we're all good there. It's uh, Holler at your boys. We just need a Kevin Nash and a Scott Hall and a Hogan. Yeah. I mean, those are really... Probably a Sting. Probably a Sting. But Sting's easy because that's face paint, so it doesn't even that's matter true. if you cast a Sting. He's just going to look like yeah, the Yeah, he crow. just put the face paint on him. Yeah. Well, okay. There we go. All right, Before we did we... it. Yeah. Anyways, back to the Turtles. Right. So, um... Yeah, so Shredder gets set free by Baxter Stockman and the Foot Clan, and then they turn Bebop and Rocksteady into their uh, most well-known forms of the Warthog and the Rhinoceros. Let me ask you this question about that scene, because we, on this show, from time to time, have discussed questionable science in cinema. How do you feel about Baxter Stockman's explanation that the reason that they turned into a warthog and a rhino is because there is a latent animal DNA link inside all of us that when reacted to ooze comes to the surface. Yeah, why not? Okay. I just wanted to check. <laughs> just figured I would check. I mean, yeah, literally, why not? I mean, in this movie, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think other movies you could not get away with some so much hand waving, but but man, like, wouldn't that suck if like you just end up like your essentially your inner animal being is a, like a blobfish? <laughs> I think that is my inner inner animal being. To be honest, <laughs> we're all being we all want to think that we're a tiger or you know something a shark or a tiger shark, but we're all blobfish. I think <laughs> we're all blobfish. You tell. <laughs> I feel like I'm a seahorse, maybe. Yeah. Just desperately hanging on to the reeds to not get blown away by the current. Yep. Or blobfish. I wouldn't mind turning into a pug. Having a pug, it seems like a good life. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do, you do... I've heard you talk about how you also wish you were a loaf of bread, so that all checks out. Yeah. Pig dog loaf of bread. <laughs> Pig dog loaf of bread. I don't know. An opossum. I just like... Climbing in trees, sleeping and screaming at people. Pretending to be dead. I mean, it's the outside match and the inside. I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. All right. So, yeah. So, they, they, so I guess because if we're going to talk, we're 20 minutes in, we should get to the maligning. But I think, so I, I kind of already said, I like the setup. I think it starts strong up until the point that we've described. I, I don't really have notes. Like, I'm fine with what's yeah, happening. Yeah, it's, it's. It's no better or worse than most, like, action movies geared towards a, a younger audience, you but know, I, but I'll refreshing say, IP, whatever. I'll say watching it for me, and I'm curious how it played for you, it started to lose me about halfway through when it became clear that it was just going to be your standard Skybeam 
boring finale. Yeah, it was it was a fetch its quest into a sky beam. Yeah, battle. so it I thought it started really promising and I was kind of into the opening action stuff and introducing them to Casey Jones and turning them into the animal bebop and rocksteady and and yeah, prison break for Shredder, all that stuff I really enjoyed and then it's just like, okay, now Krang's here and Krang wants the Technodrome and so we got to yeah, we got to fetch a quest to get the stuff and then the Technodrome is going to fly through a portal in the sky and we're all going to have a big video game cut scene finale with no real people involved in it because that was all cgi baby what yeah i don't think there was a single real person in the end oh of no that definitely movie. not yeah because it was all the turtles versus krang while metal flew through the sky so all of that was just made by underpaid and overworked uh cgi artists somewhere yeah yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that pretty much hits it. So, I think just how boilerplate everything was is, I think, a reason to malign it. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it's just because there's a lot of window dressing in the beginning, but then you just made every movie from this era the the end of this movie could be the end of the original suicide squad like or any of those other movies where yeah. a giant sky beam is threatening. or avengers or what well, couldn't be avengers because avengers worked so oh, no avengers did work but it still has the big sky beam ending yeah well that was why because avengers did it and it was successful and then everything copied it yeah but a lot of movies did go for the sky beam yeah it was real big for a while which it's a shame because and we you can see that evolution with the turtles of when we're doing the earlier movies. It's kind of nice and refreshing that I mean, in Secret of the Ooze, all that Shredder wants to do is murder the turtles because they, they threw him in a trash compactor, which is understandable. And then when he takes the ooze himself and becomes Super Shredder, he's just really angry at a peer for being yeah. in his way because he wants to kill the turtles because that's his whole goal. But there's a peer between him and the turtles. And so the only thing he can do as a big homunculus, angry, you know, Kevin Nash yes. is to just knock the beams out from that pier. Wyatt Russell could play Scott Hall. Just give him black hair. Kind of has the jawline. I don't hate he, it. He could ooze machismo. I don't hate it. I would I would I would want to see him read. Yeah. Uh anyways. <laughs> No, that was good. That was a good reason to. <laughs> um, yeah, like. Here's another thing. I think this would if we had we done the original Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. The Turtles outfits are too busy. Yeah, well, we should talk about this in general, too. Yeah, thank you for. I don't like I like that they tried to differentiate them. I think that was a good yes. idea. However, I don't like the character designs for the Turtles. I They don't. They're not they're not bad CGI, but they also don't really feel real. They're so busy and so weird looking and they kind of blend into their surroundings in a way that they they just get lost. Like the turtles should be the star and they just they don't have the same weight and, uh, you know, just reality to them that the suits have. They, they definitely lose yeah. a lot. And like. The fact they try to do this sort of humanoid CGI thing, there's a lot of there's a definite uncanny valley thing happening. 
that doesn't always happen with CGI characters in, you know, mixed with live action movies, because that's almost every movie nowadays. Um, but just like. I think had they just done like different shaped bandanas for everybody, I think that would have been enough. They have the different bandanas, the different weapons. Um, that's enough. But like, you know, Donatello has the glasses and all the like video game controllers all over his body. They're too you busy. Know. Yeah, there, there's yeah. way too much on them. Some of them are wearing shorts. Some of them aren't. Yeah, which is weird because do they need shorts or do they not? Right. You know, and just but like there was little things like, they, you know, like some of them had tattoos. I think that's not a bad choice. Or like had like the paint on the shell. Like I think that's kind of a cool way to differentiate. Well, but, okay, but let's explore that because I think that's what we do on this show. So some of them have tattoos. So let's. Well, there's a few things that we need to address right from the start. They're teenagers, so if they're going to a tattoo parlor, did Splinter have to give permission? Did he have to sign something for them, or did they not go to a tattoo parlor? Are they like prison tattoos? Are they giving each other tattoos in the sewer? I think that's the more likely situation. Yeah, because, well, it would have to be in some ways, right? Because they're hiding. They're in in the shadows. They're not out of the shadows yet. So, so which Ninja Turtle is giving prison tattoos to the other Ninja Turtles? Donatello? Just because he's the... Well, he, he's definitely involved. Be, he's This is what I would He guess. probably made the tattoo gun, and Michelangelo yeah. probably did the tattoo. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's the right answer. Like... You definitely need Donatello to make sure that no one's getting an infection, that the tattoo gun is sterile and safe, and to create the ink and all of that. He's overseeing it for sure. But Michelangelo is doing the the actual inking, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad we set up that. That was important. No, that we felt, figured that out. Yeah, that was that was that was a must. It felt important. Um but yeah, just part of the thing with the turtles, I think part of their charm was that the only differentiation was the colors. Yeah, well, and it wasn't even that in the comics because right. the comics didn't have color originally. So that was added by the 80s cartoon to differentiate them because there originally was no way to tell them apart. And yeah, I I do think that's nice. I Yeah, I think there's two problems of like they did too much to differentiate them, but I also just don't like the character designs. I'm just not a fan. Yeah, of no, how I'm not a look. huge fan either. Yeah, they just. I'll mean, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, they, they somehow feel like the worst combination of humans and turtles. Like, they're not turtley enough to be, like, fun-looking turtles, and they're not human enough to look human. So they just look like weird, misshapen lumps. Yeah, they do definitely have that misshapen lump vibe. Um, the other thing I think is pretty interesting is that just the fact that they didn't get celebrity voices to do the turtle voices. I just find that surprising. I like it, though. I mean, they probably just saved money. And but I mean, I'm fine with it, but it just it. I'm surprised by it. I'm actually saddest about because we've been tracking this this month. It's our least from the Bronx, Raphael. Like he still kind of has a deep voice, but he doesn't really have the. Hey, Leo. I'm walking here. Hey, why you busting my balls? Like, I feel like we lost something there. Yeah, Raphael having the thickest New York accent kind of worked. So you can tell that they, 
it definitely is fascinating that through all the iterations, it definitely seems like the 80s cartoon imprinted on everything and that it created some kind of expectations for how everyone sounds. Because you also they all have neutral accents in this. And Michelangelo doesn't have the kind of California surfer accent that he tends to have in the 80s cartoon, but he still has a lighter, softer, like higher pitch, softer, more playful voice. Raphael has a gruffer voice. You know, Donatello has some kind of nerd voice. And then Leo has the, who the fuck cares? He's boring voice. He's the Cyclops of the Ninja Turtles. Really is. It's really funny that no, you know, having watched all of these, you kind of realize he's just the leader because he says that he is. He displays no clear leadership in any of these movies that makes him worthy of being the leader. The closest one is TMNT, the animated one. Yes. So that's actually part of the story arc. Is, that, is he an effective leader? But it all, that movie also starts with him having bailed on the other turtles. Right. So To train. Yeah. To be a better leader by bailing on the people he's supposed to lead. You can understand why he needed the training. Yeah. Because that was like uh, lesson one. He showed up and they were like, well, don't bail on them. And he was like, damn it. Well, I already paid the, the bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I already paid for the training. So can we do the rest of it? Yeah. As a, I mean, if, if I had known that was step one, I wouldn't have even come to the training. So who's conning who here? <laughs> Seems like that should be in the brochure. I mean, the yeah, fact that you just... had this training far away, that's kind of on you. Yeah. I, I, I absolve myself of this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think like there's a lot of miracle tech that Donatello invented that was, it was just like just lazy, I guess. Like, yeah. J- that uh, April O'Neil, Megan Fox just had to walk near people. No, hey, she didn't just have to walk near people, she also had to wear wigs and try to seduce Baxter and then change clothes in a gift shop to a sexy schoolgirl <laughs> in order to get close to the other guy for some reason there was layers to that plan for sure no you just described it no it was literally just that yeah that yeah was- um that scene was weird uh well i also love the note that rightfully baxter is skeptical when she first approaches him as megan fox and is like hey uh, can i join you at this table can, can well it's, I- not, it's it's blonde wig uh librarian glasses megan fox well, right but but she approaches him and she's like hey can i can i sit down and talk to you and he's kind of like i think you have the wrong person and then she's like no i don't but then he just immediately is like oh well she says she doesn't okay you know i mean it's baxter stockman what's what's he gonna do try to sleep with april and neil apparently yeah um but yeah and then like she takes off the librarian glasses takes off the wig and then changes into britney spears outfit from the oops i did it again video yes which even just in the- stealing stuff all through the oh yeah gift yeah. shop in grand central station yeah, it does it not pay exist. for any of those clothes also for some reason and the in titles that are animated that's how they animate her is in that outfit yeah <sighs> Okay. Yeah. But those, I think those are the reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's, this movie doesn't, is very unmemorable. Would you say that it's the, like the least good of the four that we've watched this month? Like, would you put it fourth? 
I would put it third, I think. Above TMNT 3? Yeah. That probably feels right. I think I go TMNT animated, ooze, this, and then three. Yeah, because I, I think that's the question. Is this better or worse than three? Because three is not good, but it at least... I think it took a bigger swing, you know, to to call back to Michael Bay again. I think three was trying harder. It was trying something different, but yeah, it was probably least successful. Yeah, I mean, this is... This was every episode of the 80s cartoon. It did. This does feel the most like the 80s cartoon. I mean, and that's evident because they play the they do an updated version of the 80s cartoon theme song in the end credits. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that made me smile because I love that theme song. Yeah. The fact that the other ones shied away from it is disappointing because it's a good it's a bop. Like, it's a certain. No, totally. Hit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. It's clear that this wanted to evoke that cartoon as much as possible. And I think that's a good instinct. Yes. But yeah, it gets real lazy in the end. I think that's the big thing that it just it, it kind of tapers off. It it feels like they wrote a first act and then they started writing the second act and then they're like, oh, shit, this thing's due in a week. Right. So I don't know, just. Do it every other movie. They just popped in like three other modern action movies and were like, I don't know, just do parts of that. This is another wonderful bit of trivia, but uh, Chuck Lorre wrote the TNMT theme song. What a renaissance man Chuck Lorre is. I know. But that's how he sort of first started getting his foray into the entertainment biz was writing TV themes. He wrote the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme before uh, doing like Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory and all the other great shows that everyone loves. Okay, one more pitch. So we're we're gonna do the mini series about the Monday Night Wars. But Peacock, if this sweetens the deal, or if you want to pass, this one's open. So Netflix, you can have this. HBO Max, you can have this. We do a 1980s sort of Mozart Solieri rivalry thing with Chuck Lorre. And Alan Thicke competing to write theme songs and seeing who the best theme song writer is. And playing Alan Thicke, Christopher McDonald. There it is. See, like we're, we're just going to lock him into like a three, three show deal, like an overall deal with our company. Yeah, uh, I, I think both are good, you know. I have no idea what Chuck Lorre looks like. So to me, that casting's wide open. Yeah, Paul Giamatti, why not? Dude, yeah, Giamatti. So, like, yeah, we're, we're going to get you a lot of... You're going to be Paul Heyman and Chuck Lorre. It has the same cast. It's like um, when sometimes Broadway shows will have, like... They'll do two shows with the same cast, like, sort of concurrently. It's the same thing. It's the Monday Night Wars, and it's also the... Uh, um, in the thick of it. It's our Ryan Murphy American Horror Story deal. Yes. Yeah, like we're just going to use the same players over and over again. I love it. Yeah, and, and the title of the show, In the Thick of It, T-H-I-C-K-E. Wasn't that... He's going after Adam Thick. That, like that sounds like a reality show about Alan Thick. Maybe, it, well, he's dead now, so it can't be, but... yeah. And his son's a monster, so we're not going to give that any credit. Yeah, but we could have fun with that in the show. That it could, there could be like a little, like the Omen subplot, where there's just an <laughs> evil little child that's like hanging around. That's Robin Thick. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, what's the silver lining in this movie? 
Laura Besides fucking Laura Linney. Linney. <laughs> it's Laura fucking Linney. <laughs> you knew oh that was God. the... <laughs> oh, I knew. I, as soon as I saw her, I was so excited to see Laura Linney. <laughs> I only have one complaint about Laura Linney and is now my new complaint for every movie since Hyde Park on Hudson. And that's that she did not give anyone a sad hand job in a car in this movie. Let's see. Oh, you didn't watch the deleted scenes? <laughs> was it in the turtle van? Did she? <laughs> yeah, she she jays off Rocksteady. It's wild. <laughs> that does sound wild. I'd watch that. Both pre and post mutation. <laughs> so it's it's just her jacking off Seamus and then her jacking off the rhino. God bless him. <laughs> it's great. Is, um, is Bebop no, yeah. just watching? It, it'd be... Bebop's going, my man, the whole time. <laughs> Beautiful. He's got the shades on. Because that was their on. catchphrase in the movie, that, not that was, from the TV show. They would just go, my man. Yeah. All right. But yeah, Laura Linney, again, it's a funny thing with Bay, because Bay will do that in the Transformers movies, too, where like, he'll get Stanley Tucci to be in or the Transformers movies. Or, like or they, John Turturro was in the first one. and I think John Turturro might be in all of them. I think he actually is in all of them. That might yeah. be right. So... There's this thing where, like, Bay really does overcast for roles that don't require it. But, yeah, getting Laura Lenny to play, was she the police commissioner, I think? like Yes, she was the police commissioner or yeah. the head detective or something. Whatever, the cop in charge, you know, but just fantastic. She's truly wonderful in this movie. And she is a somewhat reoccurring figure on this show, and we're happy every time. Yeah, I will. I love Laura Linney. She's always been one of my favorite actresses. I think she, you know, like she, she gave this movie the performance it deserved. Like she didn't phone it in. She took it seriously. And you know, she, like she, she added a real, good. she added a real threat to the film because like once she showed up and she sort of had this, I'm going to get to the bottom of what's happening. I'm, you know, people aren't being honest with me. What's going on when the turtles show up and she and the other officers see them for the first time. That scene works because of her, I think, you know, like yeah. the way that she's playing it. That's a good scene. Like just the, I mean, you called it out of the shadows when they come out of the shadows and they're, you know, cops are drawing guns on them. And then April and Casey Jones have to get in between them. It's good stuff. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think the action was pretty good. I mean, not all uh, it didn't all work, but like I thought like the introductory like kind of run through the city scene was really cool um, and how they got to the uh, Jumbotron in MSG. I uh, I thought the chase, the the street chase where they broke Shredder out was a really good scene. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The, this movie's front loaded that the beginning is really good. I really liked the all the basketball stuff. I thought that was really good. Like when they yeah, like them getting the pizza and then getting to the rafters. I liked them dropping the pizza on the court and, you know, having that kind of disrupt the game and, and sort of make it so they couldn't hide. All that stuff is good. Yeah. All the early action was good. The prison break, man, it was a solid prison break for sure. Yeah. And like I thought using the bring in the turtle van, it. That's something that could have seemed out of place in any movie, but like it didn't feel. It felt like it fit in the world. They made it like not seem cheesy and it's really cheesy. They did go a little to your point of like the, the way that the turtles looked. I thought there was a little too much happening with the van. Yeah. But yeah, I love seeing the turtle van. That was cool. But 
you know, and, and at the same time, though, like the stuff in Brazil, like that just seemed a little like we need more time in this movie. That's when it started losing me was when they went to Brazil. I feel like from Brazil on was a less enjoyable movie than everything before it. But even like the crank fight at the end. I still liked. Like the actual like four on one fight with the Krang bot thing. I did, too, but I was kind of. I didn't like Krang betraying Splinter and just like taking Splinter. Shredder. Yes. I, I, I always do that. Their names are too similar. That's yeah. If I can have one note for the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who don't take notes because they're, I assume, billionaires at this point. Probably. But uh, the but yeah, those names are too similar and they're easy to mix up. But no, Shredder just like not being involved in the end is kind of a bummer after especially after you break him out of prison just to have krang be like no i'm betraying you five seconds after he just betrayed baxter stockman right i like tyler perry's baxter stockman he's a good baxter stockman yeah i thought he yeah. was good i thought Stephen mel was good like i thought it was a solid casey jones story arc in this movie yeah the he's the prison guard who they escape on his watch so he also he wants to be a police officer but can't get in so it kind of i think out of all the retconning and sort of things they make up for backstories of of characters that his is maybe the most successful in these bay films that that works it, it makes it kind of explains a character that just has a hockey mask and a hockey stick and beats people up i think it's a good backstory to give him that he wanted to be a cop but couldn't yeah. Uh, and then Megan Fox is in the movie. Look, Megan Fox is fine. I, I no, have... she, no, she is. Like here, like I think we we all think she's a worse actress than she is too. I look, she was good in New Girl. I don't actually have anything against me. I will not badmouth Megan Fox. So don't. No, and, but I think there, there's this idea that she's just you know a pretty face and just sort of like sex appeal yada yada which she is all of those things but she's not a bad actress she's no i think she's a good actress i think she has comedic timing i just think she hasn't been asked to do a lot you know she's usually asked yeah. to be sexy and dress like britney spears while holding a phone near a guy right um but yeah i mean you know we've wrapped up turtle month and we're Probably not the better for it. There's look, a lot of turtles. Look, like these movies are all maligned. I think every single Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that has ever come out has been maligned. But they are except a, for Ninja Turtles versus Batman. Except the one versus Batman, which won Sundance. But uh, they're a juggernaut. You can't stop the Ninja Turtles. You know, you cannot stop the Ninja Turtles. I saw they're making a a video game that looks like Turtles in Time that has that like retro was 8-bit or 16-bit or whatever graphics that's a side-scroller. I think it's called Shredder's Revenge. I actually saw a clip for that. It looks cool. Like, man, people love the Ninja I, Turtles. I mean, they're releasing the Cowabunga collection to all the platforms, which is just all of the old Ninja Turtle games on one disc. Yeah, I think that's smart. I mean, that Turtles... I'm, I'm gonna buy it. Like, I, I'll tell you that right now. No, Turtles in Time was fun. That was a fun game. Turtles in Time was, was I would say, the second best... Uh, side scroller beat him up in the arcade after x-men yeah and then the simpsons was third because i liked that game but it wasn't it was more frustrating to play the controls yes good. and that one because we've i think on the previous episodes we've discussed the characters to use because you use wolverine and you use donatello but 
I think Marge was probably the best character in The Simpsons because she had the vacuum, so she had a yeah. little bit more range. Homer was the worst with the bowling ball. Yeah, Homer was terrible. Bart was okay because uh, he had like the Bartman stuff. I don't remember what Lisa had, to be honest. Lisa had her saxophone that she would hit people with, and Bart okay. had his skateboard. Yeah, Bart was fun, but Marge was the best character in that game. Yeah, I think I usually played as Bart. Yeah, that makes sense. But Marge was probably did have the she was the Donatello. I, in in both like ability and personality, Marge is yes. the Donatello of the Simpsons. Let's do that real quick. This is a good thing that we don't need to do, but now that we've brought it up, and if we, I mean, we'll just say that Maggie is Splinter. I think that 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 tracks. Yeah. So I was gonna say she's the Turtle Van, but that's okay. And Abe Simpson is Splinter. <laughs> Yes, Abe Simpson is Splinter. Okay, so putting Maggie aside, we've already said... She might be April. You know what? Okay, I like it. Maggie is April. So now, we've said that Marge is Donatello. I think... I think Bart's Michelangelo. Bart's definitely... Because he's a party dude. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also quite rude. He's... Yeah. So, I think... So now, well, this gets interesting because now I'm I'm actually wondering maybe Lisa's the Donatello of the Simpsons. I think Lisa's the Donatello. I think Marge is Leonardo. Yeah, Marge is Leonardo, but that's unfair to Marge because Marge is a great character. Unlike yes, Leonardo. Marge is awesome. But she's Leonardo. Raph- Raphael is definitely Homer because... Uh, while he's they, the muscle. Well, he, <laughs> he's the muscle. But also, while, while he, there's clearly love between the two of them, he is often going rogue. In doing his own thing to undermine yes. the true leader that is Marge. And then Bart's a party dude and uh, Lisa's the responsible smart one. So she's Donatello. She's and Donatello. Mr. Burns is Shredder. Mr. Burns is Shredder, which makes Smithers Baxter Stockman, I guess. I mean, that goes without saying, right? Yeah. That's the easiest one. I know you'd think it was Frank, but no. no they even he- look alike. Uh, Baxter Stockman and, and uh, Smithers. That's true. And then the Hounds are Bebop and Rocksteady. You didn't think we were going to go that deep, but we did. You thought we were going to go Lenny and Carl were, the, were Bebop and Rocksteady, but no. <laughs> yep. So we, we did it. <laughs> that's what we, that, see, that's, you didn't know it at the time, but that's what we were setting out to do is figuring out which Simpsons character is which Ninja Turtle. And it took us a whole month and watching all of these movies to really. And there's no other the way to have done it. You let us know, but it's too late because we already did it. But if you can find an easier way to have done it, I don't want to know because I, I don't want to have any regrets in my life. Also, you seem like a buzzkill. I'm just going to say it. You don't seem fun. Yeah, you seem like you don't know how to have a good time. Yeah, you're, you're not a party dude. You're really being a real jerk right now if you yeah, feel that way. And I, I don't trying really to need... rain on our parade like yeah, a what, dick. What the hell? We give you this show as entertainment. We're trying to do a good job. We watch these movies. We prepare. We talk about them. And you're going to come in here and you're going to tell us that we did it wrong? How dare you? I don't go to where you work. You don't see me at Jamba Juice over in the corner telling you you're juicing that Jamba wrong. (laughs) No, I, I don't. You know, I appreciate that you juice the Jamba. Yeah, I'm happy. I don't know how to do it clearly based on what I just said. So I'm happy that you're doing it. You know, if I, you know, you might be the smoothie king. I can't, I can't challenge the throne. I'm just going to get a smoothie. Well, I'm not now. I was going to, but you're being such a jerk. I'm going to go to Auntie no. Anne's pretzels instead. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go to a movie theater and get an icy. 
or Wetzel's pretzels because they're both in this mall for some reason. And I don't yeah, understand I don't know why. And they're right near each other for no good reason. <laughs> they seem like they would be stealing each other's business, but they're both have been here forever. So and it's just this is where they are. Yeah, so, so I'm going to get an orange Julius and call it a day. You know what? If Andy's Good getting, day, sir. If Andy's getting one, then I'll get one, too. But I'm not happy about it. And while you're making it, I want you to think about your decisions. I'm going to get a pretzel. <laughs> we'll see you next month. Uh, it's May. It's our two year anniversary. It's going to be fun. And to play us out, one last song. From, oh, yeah. From the coming out of their shells tour. And this one, you're not prepared for how funky it is. It's Cowabunga. Man, you got to dig the groovest sound. Listen to the tracks we're laying down. The girls are coming up from the ground. We got a message that we have found. Gonna keep rapping, gonna keep talking. Ready to go. Let's get on with the show now. Hey, yo, Leonardo's his name. He is the leader that you claim to fame now. He is the man my brothers trust. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Eight. 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 Potato Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out.